right. Welcome, friends, to Whoa, That's Good Wednesday. This is so much fun. I'm so excited. Today is going to be a really great day. I have a very good friend on today, and I cannot wait for y'all to meet her. You're going to instantly fall in love, just like I did. Um, she is an author, a writer, a worn award-winning songwriter. She is a mom of five, the wife to Matt, and she's my dear friend, and Beth Redman. Welcome to Whoa, That's Good. Thank you, Corey. So good to be with you. Uh, this is going to be so fun. I feel like this is like we just get to have a conversation. A lot of people might be listening in, but I just love every single chance I get to talk to you. So I'm excited about today and hearing your wisdom because you are full of it, full of it. Um, so first, the very first question that we always ask on why that's good, that is what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Honestly, I would say from the mouth of Jesus, from Matthew 5, when it talks about, you know, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And then Jesus has this piece of advice for them. He's like, actually, it's not that. Mm. The way of the kingdom is love your enemies and pray for those who mistreat you. And I would say in my story, that piece of advice, I think, has changed not just my life, but my heart. It's changed my mind. Wow. And this is so classic me. I'm like, here we go, off the go. deep end. Just it's go. so intense. <laughs> I love it. But, but honestly, it's not the way of the world to pray for people who've hurt you. But I tell you, when you pray for them, it changes the way you talk about them, the way you wow. think about them. And so honestly, that has helped the, the redirection of my heart and my life. Wow, Beth. Oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. Right in, right into the deep end. That's so good. I feel like, well, one, I feel like I wish I would have thought about my best piece of advice being from Jesus because, you know, you cannot go wrong when you say your best piece of advice is, is something straight from Jesus's words. That's so good. But yeah, that one right there, that's a hard one. That is, and sometimes Jesus' words are tough. They're not, they're, they're counter to how we would actually, our, our spirit, what our spirit wants to do, but it's always the right way. And it always is what leads us to the abundant life he has for us. And I just love that so much. I think that's such a great piece of advice. And I feel like so many people are receiving that right now and it's going to change, change their life. Cause when you, yeah. when you do what Jesus says, you take his word as truth, it changes your life. Yeah, it goes against the grain and it goes against the flesh, right? Yeah. I remember Dr. R.T. Kendall asking Matt and I, my husband, how many people we had on our enemy prayer list. I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but actually to get to that place yeah. where you can take that mistreatment, that persecution, whatever it is, whatever its name is, mm. take that person to Jesus and say, I am not going to let this offense, this wound, this injustice mm. take me out because everything flows from our heart, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah. obviously, I've had pieces of advice like always wear matching underwear, all the <laughs> things, yeah. uh, you know, paint your nails, your toes and your fingernails the same color. But yeah. I just thought maybe we should just... Not quite <laughs> as life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. I actually just heard a talk by Craig Rochelle, and it was about abuse, and it was talking about how Jesus was abused. He experienced abuse. He was beaten. Yeah. He was um, crucified. He was spit upon. He was actually abused. And his last, you know, some of his last words were, Father, forgive them, for they know what not what they do. And so yeah. just that idea that, like, oh, he's experienced this 
to the, you know, as bad as it can be to death. And still on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And um, yeah, just knowing that Jesus went through it as well, I think was um, just really, I don't know, that was just one of those things for me. I was like, oh, wow, you know, had not considered that. Like there's, we don't serve a savior who hasn't gone through the things that we've gone through because he came to earth for us. So that's so amazing. Tell me a little bit about like how you came to faith and kind of just a little bit of your story. The best gift that I was given in life was being brought up going to church and so many healthy formative memories and experiences happened there. You know, my home life was incredibly turbulent, violent, was brought up. I think in America, you call it the projects. In England, we call it a council estate. It's government funded housing. And you see all kinds of everything there. But right in the middle of that environment, there was a local church and it was a a building that was small and it was shared by three different expressions of the faith. The Catholic church meant there at eight o'clock. The Anglicans came in later at 9.30. And then the non-denominational church that I was a part of had a service later in the morning. And then at lunchtime, it became a bar for the community. So literally, I love that. Everyone used this place. But let me tell you what I did not get in my home, I found in that church. Mm. I was loved. I was taught the Bible. I was encouraged. I was trusted. I was believed in. And the consistency of those people, you know, these are not names anyone would know, Mm. but they are the reason that I have a faith. And that's the gift that my mum gave me. And we can look back and say, well, I didn't get this or I didn't get that. But for me, that is what I did get. Mm. And in that church, I got to see healthy families. Mm-hmm. I, I just got to see something different and it became a bar for me. And I can't think of a time where I was let down or disappointed by those people. Um, and I think that gave me such an amazing foundation yeah. and propelled me to where I am today. So, yeah, that's yeah. so good. How did you end up there? How did you like show up, find yourself at the church growing in the family environment you grew up in? Yeah, I think my mom really wanted us to have a faith. Mm -hmm. And she was the first generation Christian. She Mm. became a Christian as a teenager because some people came to her school and she ended up being in a really charismatic youth group. YWAM came through London Mm and she was like, this is what I want for my children. And so that was the gift that I got given, she walked me three and a half miles to school in the morning and three and a half miles home so that I could go to a free school, a Church of England school that offered an amazing education. We would sing hymns and take communion and learn about Jesus and Mm -hmm. just all of these good things. So really, Mm -hmm. it's it's just the faith of my mom and her commitment um, that has changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said there about just looking at your life and I think it's easy to look at our life and think about the bad things okay what are the what were those bad moments that and become and feel like a victim to some extent to like oh this and this and this has happened to me and so here's where I am but instead you're looking saying okay what were the good things what were the the things that came into my life the gifts and also just knowing that like oh where God was in all that and how he was been with you through all of it, even in the hardest, the hardest times you've been through. Sp- 
spring is a great time to start something new, right? So whether it's cleaning or a new hobby or a new audiobook, a good story is always a great way to start a new journey and Audible has all that you need. I come from a family of great storytellers, so I know Audible is the home of storytelling, which is where I want to be. Audible lets you enjoy all your favorite audio entertainment together in one app. There's always something new to discover or you can rediscover some of your old favorites. Audible has an incredible selection of audiobooks from every genre like bestsellers, new releases, memoirs, mysteries and thrillers, business and more. It is the destination for mind-blowing entertainment with selections of mystery and thrillers that will keep your heart racing. And with next listen recommendations, there's always something irresistible at your fingertips. Plus, members get full access to a huge and growing selection of included audiobooks and Audible originals and even podcasts like, well, that's good. So you can download them or stream them anytime, anywhere. Audible members can also pick one title each month to keep from the entire catalog, which is some serious benefits, y'all. The newly included selection of titles makes your Audible membership even more valuable and gives you the chance to discover your next favorite thing. With thousands of titles available, you're definitely going to find something that you love all in one convenient app. So I know some of you are into, you know, thrillers, crime, mystery. And I got to be honest, that's not really been my thing. So I told Bella, okay, Bella, tell me what I could like listen to that wouldn't scare me, but I would like be into it. And she told me about this title called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. And so I started it and John Luke loved it too. And so I'm just now on the cusp of it. And y'all, let me tell you, it is very entertaining. You do want to listen to see what happened next. So if y'all are into that, Audible is a great place to find those too. New members can try Audible now for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Woe or just text Woe to 500 500. That's audible, A U D I B L E dot com slash Woe or text Woe to 500 500 to try Audible for free for 30 days. Yeah, for me, the church is, is a river in a desert mm-hmm. and God put it there. And if we look for Him, I believe we can always find him. And that doesn't mean there aren't hard things. But I think it goes back to that advice of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, if I hyper focus on all of the things that I didn't get or that I can't change. Yeah. I love that Amy Carmichael quote, in acceptance lies peace. Mm. It doesn't mean we're saying it's okay. We're not giving those people power by letting them stay our abusers or our offenders, but we're saying, I'm going to take that to the cross. Mm. That happened. That was real. But Jesus met me there. Mm -hmm. And here's all these things that he did to turn the bitter water sweet. And for me, that's what the local church was. It was God's rescue plan for me. It was the river. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's what it's meant to be. It's so beautiful. Okay, well, obviously you're not from around here. You, your accent is kind of giving you away. So, But you did. Yeah. You came to America. When when was that? When did you come to the States? And what was that like? You know, you st- you're starting over. You, you have this you know, church that you've kind of grown up in and the different things that you've done and you and your family just kind of started over. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, I had a really small life growing up, just lived in this one place, this tiny town. And then when I was uh, 19, I got to a 
go to America on a missions trip. And I was like, everything is massive. (laughs) It's just mind blowing. And I love the people and I love the faith. I just loved what I saw there. Um, And then later on marrying Matt, you know, we started to go a bit more regularly in 2001. We ended up coming um, just for a short season. Uh, So I suppose a sabbatical, you could call it, and coming to California. And so for us, it just became this association with rest. Mm. And then there were times we would go back to America for seasons for things that Matt was doing. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, I think God just made it really clear, like, hey, I think we need to be moving this direction and making a home. And, you know, it was it was hard. There was times it was lonely and cultural differences and but I think wherever you are, you can if you can find someone who'll invite you into your home mm-hmm. and, and they'll come into your home and you do life around a table. Yeah. I think that's when, you know, I, I can put roots down. And so, um, yeah, there's things about the culture that I'm still learning and understanding. And, you know, I, I but I, I love it. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here. And I love like the big vision, the big faith, the big energy. That's yeah, that's that's it. Refreshing. That's so interesting to to hear just like the perspective of like, okay, everything's bigger here, I guess. I guess it's just so <laughs> true. Yes. I remember one of our very first conversations, you were telling me about how, you know, you and Matt have really made a point to invite people into your home and and doing kind of a house church kind of model. I don't know. Tell me a little bit about that because I just think that that is something that is so important. I've seen that. I remember that was something so impactful to us when we were young like having people in our home and we still do that. But as far as like we had it like a house church and these were the people that took care of you. These were the people that like planned your baby shower or planned the meal train or did that. And I think that, you know, as a culture, we have kind of gone away from that to our detriment. And I've seen our young people doing it. And I'm like, I love it so much. Our kids have like a potluck and a sermon every Wednesday night where they get together with some friends. And I'm just, I love that so much. And I remember one of our very first conversations, you telling me a little bit about establishing that um, for for you and within your community. What does that look like, and and how did you do that? Yeah, well, we saw Jesus do it first, right? You know, mm. meeting around a fireplace and cooking dinner, you know, breaking bread together. That sort of koinonia that's at the center of Christianity. And so, I love that book that the gospel comes with a front door key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That means that wherever we are, if there's a table invite some people to it. And so, yeah, that was the culture I grew up in, that Matt grew up in. And that when we moved here, we were like, come over. And not everyone, but the majority would look at you like, you mean like to your actual house? (laughs) (laughs) Not like a generic restaurant. Yeah. Um, And we were like, yeah, yeah, come to our house. And so, and we had to say to our kids, oh, bring friends over and just wanting to have a table where people can come and then we would have this tradition as we eat dinner together um I think we might have done it together how wow pow now my kids learned it on camp like how I saw God today something good in my life something hard in my life and how you can pray for me now and you just go around the table and you just like it's not intense it's just it's just been a beautiful way to get to know people maybe cut through some of that oh my gosh it'll be great to get together but doesn't happen right mm-hmm. and we just had some friends from Singapore over and they were saying oh we would love to do that but we have three families living in a two-bedroom apartment you know mm-hmm. it's not always possible yeah but it's like how can I recreate this where can I recreate this and I don't think we have to wait till we have the big house or the mm-hmm. show home you know just 
find some chairs or sit on the floor and just invite people to the table and just ask those little questions. And John Mark Homer and his wife Tammy, they just moved to Orange County for a short season and, and they began this table fellowship that we go to on Thursdays. So it's like we're getting to go to someone else's Aww. house and experience it. And it's just... To me, it means that no one's ever lonely. That's so good. I love that. And that's what church is supposed to be about. Okay, tell us again, yeah. how, wow, pal, now? Yeah, how I saw God today, okay. something good in my life, mm-hmm. something hard in my life, and either how I'm doing now or okay. how you can pray for me now. And yeah. we do it with our kids at dinner. Mm-hmm. Um And it's just a good way to just Mm -hmm. when people come in to say, let's just check the spiritual temperature without being invasive or asking people to overshare or just be invisible. And it's just been a great, a great connect, a way to connect. Yeah. I love that so much. Okay. You're an amazing mom. And I got to, so Willie and I, I got to tell this story because we (laughs) literally like popped in on Matt and Beth and their family just recently. We were like, Hey, we're in your area. Can we come to your house? And invited ourselves. And it happened to be their son's birthday. And so we we really literally invited herself to your son's birthday dinner and um, showed up and y'all did the sweetest thing in sharing notes for the birthday. And I just love that tradition so much. And I just feel like I was like, oh, I wish I'd have done that as a mom for our kids. So I want you to share that with our listeners because I feel like there's a lot out there who are trying to figure out, okay, what are the traditions we're going to set for our family? And what are some things that are important? And, um, and I just thought that was a really sweet one. And we got to be just a part of it. And it was very special for us. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, it was just, we're trying to think of like intentional traditions that would be something they could look back on and say, I remember that moment when you spoke life over me. So kind of on birthdays, Father's Day, Mother's Day, um, we just take time to write a speech for the person whose day it is and just encourage them to go away and just think about something really deep. And, you know, we have four sons and one daughter. So there can often be a lot of resistance where they want to just be like, you are nice. I'm like, no, that's not going to (laughs) work. <laughs> You're going a little more bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but also, you know, when they marry, I want them to be able to say, like, I learn how to actually say things that I appreciate, that I see, that I value, that I treasure. And it's so easy to banter or pull people down. But I'm like, on this day, we're going to write it down. And then they have memory boxes where they keep all the things in but you know we're a real family I think you're at Jackson's birthday he's looking all around the room I'm like this is very special (laughs) yeah he's like he's like mom are we really doing this in a restaurant and you're like yes we are yes we are you're not crying this is very meaningful (laughs) but I think it's one of those things that they um we just had our daughter's graduation from college this weekend and we're in a restaurant and they all did it and it was just I could see it's like it meant so much meant so much it's so sweet and special. And I do I do want to say this. I think that this is teenagers we're talking about here. Teenagers writing a letter to their sibling about what they mean from it. And they were so beautiful and heartfelt. And like Willie and I were like, we felt like we got to know Jackson through these letters. Yeah, and yeah. so, but it takes, it does take intentional time to do that. It doesn't just happen. You know, your teenagers all of a sudden are going to write these letters about their siblings. It takes doing that, you know, intentionally. And you can start a tradition at any time. I'm not saying that for sure. But I think that, um, you know, the way you have fostered that environment within your home is really beautiful. And I Thank was you, I was honored to get to 
just sit in and, and experience. Um, another thing about you, I feel like I'm just going to like tell all the things, my favorite things about you, and then we'll just talk about that. Is that okay? <laughs> another thing about you that I love so much is you're such a good and sweet and intentional friend. And um, that's meant a lot to me. So what is what does friendship mean to you and, and how do you be intentional about that? I think to me, friendship is like Samson's hair. You know, it was his strength. And without it, he actually, he couldn't do the thing he was called to do. And so for me, friends are so integral. I'm a relational person. I, I heard a guy called Jim Niche speak once and he was talking about every person needs at least between nine and 15 good caliber, strong friends. Mm. And it's not just an all outward arrow where you're pouring into people and discipling. And it's not all inward arrows where you're just taking and absorbing and being mentored or whatever. It's that two-way arrow. And he says between nine and 15 friends, is that that optimal number? And when Matt and I heard that we we're in a seminar and Matt was like, who would want nine to 15 friends? <laughs> just, and I'm like, how could you have like, that's just not enough. I just, I just love people. But you see, you know, you open the book of Proverbs and you, it's basically show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm. You know, good company it's going to shape your life and bad company is going to corrupt it. Wow. And so it's all about not just finding a number. Mm or an in-crowd, or being a part of a group, but it's finding a caliber for me, a caliber of women. It's that iron sharpening iron. It's mm. that, you know, that Colossians relationships that are like clothed with humility, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. And I've experienced that with you, Corey. You know, this is an overflow of like hundreds of conversations right. that we've had behind the scenes where you, you come with your whole heart, mm -hmm. you know, you, you show up and you say basically how well pal now yeah <laughs> how i'm doing today here's something good in my life here's something hard in my life here's how i'm doing now and what i have needed and what has changed me is women who will love me enough to say beth i, I don't know if you should talk about that mm. or beth I, I i hear that 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 may be some bitterness there or mm -hmm. i am so proud of you you've been so resilient mm -hmm. or keep going don't give up you know we need those women that iron sharpening iron because actually we're all on mission together yeah. we need each other mm -hmm. we are better together and when you look at that that sort of colossians 313 model you know the optimal is love because it actually makes us unified yeah. and when we are unified we can build a strong house and we mm -hmm. can do anything when we are together and so for me that has just yeah. been so critical and that is intentionality yeah i don't you know write a list and say who can i be a friend to today it's just <laughs> this is who i want to be and so important days i'm like i want to write that down i want to follow up i want to and i have had that back god has so blessed me back and it has been the strength of my life that my friendships with with godly amazing women like you mm, that's so good i love that you talking about just friends that you can be real with and you can trust that they will they will tell you the truth and i remember one time i had a friend who um you know i went to with something and she was like no, I just need you to like agree with me. I don't really need you to, you know, tell me that. Like, I, I just, <laughs> I just really like, I just want your like sympathy, but I don't really want you to like tell me the hard stuff. And I remember thinking, oh, like, I don't know if, if we can be that good of a friends because I actually really 
need you to tell me the hard stuff. I, mm-hmm. I want a friend that is willing to say like, hey, you know, have you thought about it like this? Or have you thought about, and that, you know, that humility that comes with having a friend that can actually say, speak those things into your life, I think is so, so important and so valuable. And um, yeah, you've been that friend to me. And also, you know, mentioning that about noticing, I remember one of the early times I told you about one of my kids that was struggling with something and you remembered her name and followed up and that just meant so much to me. And so, yeah, it's little things like that, you know, just to talk to the viewer for a minute, like, yeah, how can you, you want these, if you want this in your life, you want relationships, you want friendships, how do you build that? And that's really being, being that friend for other people. I love that. Um, another thing that you um, have just showed in this little bit of time that we've been talking is just how the word of God is just an outpouring. It, it pours out in your conversation because you've taken the time to put that in your life. And I'll never forget um, one of the first times I met you. I, th- I don't think you even had an iPhone. I think you were like full on, like not just like no social media, which we're not like going to hate on social media, but you were like straight up like flip phone because you had just felt like you 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 wanted to really invest that time in other things so share a little bit about that and that that I remember being like whoa now that's that's hardcore you're <laughs> and I love yeah. it yeah, I didn't have a cell phone for two years. I had a flip phone, but the number seven broke on it. So I used to have to email. I used to have to email Matt and say, could you call this number that has a seven in it and get them to call me back? And he's like, we need to do an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> because, it and might I be time. To, <laughs> I had this iPad and I would do everything on the iPad, which Matt pointed out was like just a giant iPhone. <laughs> so I'd be like, hello. Can I? So anyway, but you know, honestly, I think for me it was about knowing myself and it was about um, social media is not the enemy and iPhone's not the enemy but distraction was my enemy Mm. and I think I was at a time in my life and there was just some unhealthy things and I was in a difficult time and I thought you know what I need to do something drastic and I and it's not something that I should be anyone else's conviction Mm -hmm. it was my conviction yeah and I think there was so much quiet that came and I started to read some of Ruth Haley Barton's books about silence and solitude and you know, I think I'm just a noisy, wordy person. <laughs> and I think I was missing a lot of God, a, a lot of what God wanted to say to me and do in me. Yeah. And it was almost like a kind of two-year timeout, and it was extremely beneficial. And so, yeah, I'm not I'm not against social media, anything mm-hmm. like that at all. I just see that can be a great place for people to connect and sharpen and and work and do all the things for the glory of God. But mm-hmm. for me... I'm just like, this is my conviction. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, it has been a really good season just to maybe let some other things in that I think God was like, yeah, can we do this? Yeah. I feel that for myself. We're both um, sevens on the Enneagram, if you haven't <laughs> yeah. noticed. So we, we definitely, and like distractions, a very real thing for me as Major. well. And that's yeah. what, that's how I feel. And, you know, I, we can set the little timer on our phones and that's what I do. But then I just dismiss it and just keep, you know, it's just like, oh, 10, 15 more minutes, 15 more minutes, you know. So it's one thing yeah. to do that. And another thing to just say like, okay, I'm going to get rid of this distraction and really focus mm-hmm. on the things that I know are important in my life. And um, yeah, you modeled that really well. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing, sharing, you know, the how and the why. And, you know, I think um, 
that I was really um, blessed as well to grow up in the church and got to go to a Christian school. And so just having the word of God kind of like implanted in me at a young age um, is just the greatest blessing that I feel like, you know, I've ever been given. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that, about that, um, just knowing God's word. And so that when the hard time comes, it can come out of you because I've seen Mm -hmm. that in your life. Yeah. I mean, I was brought up like you in a church and they taught the Bible. It wasn't inspo. It was the word of God. And it was probably way too much for me to understand at that age. But it definitely put like a passion in me for it to be a priority. But I'm not massively academic. So it's been such a beautiful journey to like, knowing it as a child, but then understanding it maybe a bit more as an adult and making that like, I want to know what Jesus means when he says this. And then I find out and I'm like, I have to tell people. This is amazing. <laughs> but um, Psalm 119, um, this is incredible section. And it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? He's asking a question, which he answers himself. And he says, by living according to your word. Mm. And he says, I have hidden your word inside my heart that I might not sin against you. And there's just some beautiful verses after that about teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. And, And we see him saying, okay, we're living here in an impure time in the world, in an impure culture. So how can I be the man of God that I want to be? And for Mm. him, he's like, the lights come on. It's the word of God. Mm. And it's come alive to him and it sustains him. And it's not behavior modification. It's the living word of God that sets you free. And then you fast forward to the New Testament. You see Jesus in in the desert being tempted by the enemy and he comes at him. He doesn't have a you know, friend to phone or he can't run away from the situation. He's right there facing down the enemy saying, you are not who you say you are mm. and tempting him with all kinds of everything. And the authority that he stands on and he uses and keeps him focused is the word of God. Mm-hmm. And it's that hiding it in your heart. And so I'm like, thank you to all the people who spend time recording podcasts like this mm. to just pass on wisdom and truth. And because we don't need inspo, we need truth. We need yeah. truth that, that is like rock because anything you build your life on that's sand, okay, that mm. can be some appealing stuff, but it's not going to hold you up in the storms of life and the mm. word of God will. And so anything can get thrown at you and you just go, where is God? Who is God? Who am I? Where am I? And the word of God will orientate you. And that's yeah. why God's so kind that he gives us the minor prophets. He gives us the Psalms where real people are saying, God, I'm in the darkness. Where are you? Mm. God, I'm suffering. Will you speak to me? And mm. then you see real people bound their whole lives Jesus speaks a word and they're free and I just think there's just so much and then proverbs for wisdom and there's just everything in between so Mm. yeah that's so good had you feel like you've always loved the word of God or was there like a moment when you were just like okay this is or did you ask for it I know um Beth Moore talks about that she actually kind of noticed other people reading the word of God and loving it. And she just didn't quite feel that for herself at the time. And she asked God, she's like, God, give me that. And he did. And so I, I really, I, I thought that was really interesting. I love that because there's been times in my life where I'm like, okay, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's 
it's on the to-do list or whatever. And then times yeah. in my life where I'm like, I can't stop, you know, how, how has that been for you in your life and different seasons and different parts of your life? I, I think for me growing up, worship mm. was my thing. Mm. I loved worship. It sustained me. I learned about God through it. And then when I was about 18, I just had this radical encounter where I think I'd been back and forth, you know, Mm-hmm. Just suddenly was like, no, this is an all-in moment. And I've really encountered God and got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, honestly, the first thing I wanted to do was go find my Bible and get a highlighter. And it was just like the whole thing came alive. I would say that was a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And I'm not academic. And mm-hmm. so I, I would struggle to understand it. But as I've got older... And I've started to study it and I've found different people like Dr. Chuck Missler or Beth Moore or mm-hmm. Bill Creasy or just all these different people I'd never heard of. Where I'm like, oh, I get it. Mm. And so um, I've had times in my life where I don't want to read it, where I'm, I'm sad or I'm mad with God and mm-hmm. I will myself. And then I'm like, there you are. <laughs> there you are, yeah. showing up, speaking yeah. truth. And so I've only ever... Um, known it to be something good. Mm, that's so good. Uh, you mentioned that about worship. And I remember a time in my life when it was kind of, I guess the first time that I really was like experiencing a really, I was in a hard, a hard time, in a hard place and um, just worship. And it was a moment where I felt like, you know, it was hard to pray. It was hard to Hard to know kind of where to go. And worship was so impactful for me in that moment to just be able to like turn on the music and just let the words that someone else is singing be my prayer. And um, I love I love that. And um, your husband, Matt, um, that is what he does. And his a lot of his songs, the words that he has written have been um, just soothing to my soul and you as well. So you and Matt met through music, right? Through through leading worship. Is that yeah, correct? Well, okay. I was a teenager mm-hmm. and people were playing his music. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, how does this kid know <laughs> God the way that he knows God? Mm. Like it blew my mind. And Matt started writing songs when he was about 13, 14, because mm. he found the Psalms and he'd lost his dad to suicide when he was seven. And then he'd been in a just horrific, abusive situation. It's just just terrible. And for him, those songs, almost like writing his own psalms, became mm-hmm. a lifeline and it put music to them. And and then I met Matt when I was 19 and I ended up being a singer in his band, but I, I never spoke to him. I was just like, <laughs> this is too overwhelming. <laughs> and he didn't speak to me. So how are we married? I didn't <laughs> how did that happen, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, one day I just said, I can't be in your band anymore because I have feelings about you. And so he said, well, I'm not one of those sad people that wants to get married. So, you know, it's, you know, no problem there. And so I was fasting and praying. And then the next day he phoned me up and he said, I am one of those sad people who wants to get married and I want to marry you. It was a very quick turnaround. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So it was zero to 100. But, um, yeah, then we just started to, um, yeah, I remember one of our first dates. He was like, I've written this song called Heart of Worship. What do you think? Or mm-hmm. like, I've got this idea for a song called 10,000 Reasons. And just watching these themes boil up and hearing him write a song and like, Beth, come in here, help me finish this. Or, you know... Like, what a gift. Like, I was the girl in church who was Mm -hmm. 
living with just with so much pain and those songs were my lifeline mm-hmm. and then God invites me into a story where Matt and I get to write music together mm-hmm. that becomes someone else's lifeline you know mm-hmm. so often we'll be somewhere and someone will come and say hey I just been to a funeral I just been to a bedside yeah. I just been to a and you're just like what an unbelievable privilege mm-hmm. and then in our own pain you know we had six miscarriages and we were like we probably need to just just sing to Jesus right now and out of that flowed a song and another song and, mm. and you know just just those beautiful moments where you go how in the world has God done this and wow. it's just his mercy I didn't even know that part of your story about having miscarriages and you have five <laughs> children so tell me a little bit about that part of your story and what God maybe taught you in that yeah well we got married quite young I was 22 about was 23 I think and I always wanted to have a, a big family, and and we had two children after a couple of years of marriage, uh, Maisie and Noah. And then we were really prayerful about having a third kid because you know we wanted to travel with them, and mm-hmm. and uh, we were really prayerful about it. And we took some time, and we were like, no, we really want to have a third. I think that's going to be a good number for us. And. And we found out we were pregnant and it was just so joyful. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know anyone who'd had a miscarriage. And I, I remember going for the scan and we were going to find out the gender. And it was this amazing moment. And and there was no heartbeat. Mm. And just sitting there, not knowing. I don't mm. know if I had a theology for suffering. Yeah. And where is God now? And who mm-hmm. is God now? And how do I go through this? And then not knowing at that time we were going to then have five more miscarriages and it was going to be a long season of loss and confusion. But I would say I was disillusioned, but I never deconstructed my faith. Mm. God just was so Mm. close and near. And um, I would say we just kept taking the next step. And that's why we have a, a big gap between our second and our third child and then we ended up having three children in three years I was like Lord okay now (laughs) we can stop (laughs) so it was it was a season of loss followed by a season of abundance Mm -hmm. and um, yeah I'm so sorry to anyone who's experienced that and had to push through and where are you God you know I just had to get to that place of I'm going to trust you when I don't understand. And, yeah. and you you have loved me before I loved you. You were there from the beginning. Mm. There's a beginning, a middle and an end to this. And I just got to hold on with all I've got. And actually, it turns out Jesus was doing the holding on. No, Wow. That's so good. I think about, I think the older I get, the more I just kind of realize that just that, that blind trust. I know um, there's a quote by Mother Teresa that I love that it, it was this guy who comes up to her and he says to her, she says to him, supposedly, so the story goes, she says to him, um, what do you want me to pray for you? He says, will you pray for me? She says, yes, why do you want me to pray for you? And she said, he says, I want you to pray that I'll have clarity. And she says, I'm not going to pray that for you. I've never had clarity. What I have had is faith. And wow. um, And it was just this moment of like, God, like we don't have to have clarity. We don't have to know yeah. everything or have all the answers or or see it clearly. We just have to trust, have faith in God that He does, trust in Him and His plan for our life. And I remember um, when I read that, it was just really impactful for me because all the things that you know God has given us and our family are not the things that we planned for or expected. It's the greater blessings that He has for your life. And 
just um, trusting when you are in that hard space and um, knowing that he is at work and he does love you um, and he is good even when you're sitting in that in that hard space. And um, I think the older older we get, the more we can kind of look back and see it. But when you're in it, it's so hard. And not that, you know, I might not be in it again <laughs> and be and feel the same way because that's, that's life. But, um, you know, from the perspective that at almost 50, I can look back and be like, oh, you know, I really didn't need to know it all. I really just need to trust God and his plan and what he has for us. Um, so talking about that, um, you know, just talking about season, thinking about that in like our life and seasons of life. I love the perspective, which I'm a little ahead of you. So don't, you know, I'm not, you're, you're not my age, but I'm a little ahead of you, but just thinking back about seasons of life and what God has for you. I know you have, you've done a lot in your life and, um, but it's, it's, you've had different seasons that you've gone through. I wanted to talk a little bit about that because we have a lot of young people that listen and I feel like, um, sometimes you can think, oh, I'm not where I thought I was going to be at this time, or I'm not where or this, I want to do this and this and this, but I can't do it because I'm stuck here right now. And um, I just love that, you know, we have a lot, we have time to do the things that God has for us and the things that he has planted on us in us um, will come to pass in his own time. And um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that with you and how, how you've seen that at work in your life. Yeah, that's so helpful. I mean, we were made to be fruitful and be productive. And so we are people who want to work and we want to work hard often and we we have goals, right? Yeah. And so seasons where maybe you, you can't quite break through or you feel unseen in a world that's measured by metrics, unseen can feel so insignificant and yet you pour through the pages of the Bible and you see people like David, like Joseph, like Ruth, you know, these arduous seasons of hiddenness mm. where it feels like nothing's coming together, that it's mm. just hard work and no breakthrough. And so I can see why that would feel deflating and disorientating for a young person because so much is measured by likes and popularity. And if it didn't go viral, did it even happen? <laughs> you know, but we serve a God who rewards the secret things. Mm. And I would say if you are waiting for that breakthrough moment, you're waiting for that opportunity, just be faithful in the small things. Mm -hmm. Just be faithful in the secret things. And I tell you what, people don't really shout loudly about those. There aren't many trophies for those things. There isn't a round of applause, but there is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And I would say make your prayer room your war room. Mm -hmm. Pour out your petitions, your dreams, your longings, your frustrations. Hold your life out into God's hands because commit your plans to God and they will succeed, whether that's things that get accolade and attention or whether they're things that you're like, nobody knows but God and do them for Jesus. And yeah, I had to write my resume yesterday of applying for Denver Seminary. <laughs> Please take me. Amazing. And um, I was writing out all these things and I was like, oh, my goodness, that's wow. I forgot I did that. And then there's these long periods of like five years or three years. And I'm like, I, that looks like I didn't do anything. And they were some of the hardest years of my life. They were some of the years where I felt like because I, I can't show you what I'm doing, I have no value. 
That's mm. what the world might say. But I looked mm. at that piece of paper and I was like, that's not what God says. Yeah. I was like, he was dealing with me. He was changing me. Mm-hmm. He was shaping me. He was refining me. And no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> As up wasn't pleasant, but it was good and it was beneficial. Mm. And so I just say, if you're in an unseen season, like, the Bible would call it like a cave season, maybe. Just keep looking at Jesus. Keep trusting him. He made you. He doesn't make mistakes. He's given you gifts and talents and a contribution to make. And at the end of the day, if you don't get the likes or the comments or the accolades, God loves you and he is with you and he will use you for his glory. So just keep placing your hand in his and and trust him. Mm, That's so good, Beth. And actually this kind of This is like the end of our conversation, but I feel like it goes full circle back to the very beginning of our conversation where you were talking about those people in your life that are the unseen people, the people that no one is going to know their name, but they had such an impact on your life and on your eternity because of their just faithfulness Mm -hmm. to God and pouring in. And um, yeah, it's it's the unseen people. It's the things that we do in the quiet where God just does incredible work that we might not ever even know or see this side um, of earth, but um, we will know and see in eternity. So thank you for sharing all that. Thank you for sharing your life and um, just for being just such a dear friend. I love you. And I'm just love love getting to share you with the world that's good listeners. Thanks for being here. You're amazing. You're doing such a great job holding down the fort. You are just amazing, (laughs) Corey. I love you. Thanks so much. Love you. Bye, friend. Bye.